Before we begin, I wanted to let you know about the best way to get a perfect night's sleep. With SleepWave Premium, enjoy an ad-free experience, two exclusive bonus episodes a month, as well as our back catalog of premium content. Your support really helps. Sign up takes two taps, so please click the link in the show notes. But now, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, Carissa here. Tonight's episode is a little bit different, so if you'd like to watch this episode instead of listening, check out our YouTube channel, Sleepwave. The link is right at the top of the show notes. See you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sleep Wave. This is Jessica. This week we have sort of an unconventional episode, and I'm going to be speaking to my co-host, Carissa Vacker. Good morning, Carissa. Good morning, Jessica, and hi, everybody. And we're going to be doing an episode today where we just talk so you get to know us a little better as people. And we get to know each other better because the big secret is that Carissa and I don't do sleep wave from the same room or studio or even city. <laughs> and in fact, we've never met in person. We've only in met fact, over the phone. We've never met in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we have met over the phone and we have oddly some very beloved friends in common it's true and so i think that made us bond much more quickly than we might have otherwise because the people we have in common are fantastic and uh so yeah we thought we'd get to know each other a little better today so the listeners can get to know us better um i want to ask you a question carissa yes it's kind of a big one but okay i'm ready what do you enjoy most about making sleep wave? Oh man. Um, I think the biggest thing is that it feels like we're really helping people. And you know, it's like, 
you always want to feel like when you grow up, you're going to do something that's going to make a difference in some way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I felt for many years in my life, like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And this has been such an incredibly rewarding experience just to hear from the listeners. Um, and, you know, we get messages all the time from people that that say in, in such incredible detail how it's helping them. Mm-hmm. And like, it makes me feel a little emotional because I feel like what an incredible gift that we get to do this and share this with people. So that is absolutely my favorite thing about it. What about you? You know, I think there's so many levels on which it's just a cool job to do. You know what I mean? Like it's, I I enjoy the writing of it, the creating of it. I enjoy the recording of it, but I got to agree with you that it like exercises a part of me potentially, well, not potentially, like globally, we're hearing from people all over the place. I mean, I've gotten feedback from India, Sweden, Thailand, and, you know, and to just feel like this little simple thing is spreading and has, I mean, I didn't grow up with issues around sleep. I've always been a pretty good sleeper. And it wasn't until I did Sleep Wave that I really, really got how debilitating it can be for people who have chronic sleep issues. And so it wasn't just delivering something that works. It was the magnitude of what sleep does. And it, I kind of backed into this. And I was like, oh, sleep. Yeah, I'm good at helping people sleep. But when you hear from so many people that you know suddenly they're in a good mood, their relationships with their children improve their their work improves and i just thought wow this is as big as food this is as big as exercise and i feel profoundly useful in the economy of nature to be doing this and that i don't know that there's much that's more satisfying than that so i'm also really grateful i got to say to the producers for having asked us to do this you know because i wouldn't have thought it up and uh, yeah, so same answer, same answer, slightly different words. <laughs> agreed, agreed with everything you said as well. So tell me how you got to voiceover work, like what you've done in this realm. Yeah, um, so I have been a pretty much full-time voiceover actor for how many years now? Um, probably eight, maybe. Um, and I got here. Uh, I studied theater in college. I have my BFA in acting. And then I was a professional theater actor for many years. And then I was in LA and I started working in film and TV, did that. And while I was in the midst of that, a very good friend of mine uh, said, hey, have you ever thought about doing audiobooks? And I was like, what are audiobooks? Because I think this was, I don't know, 2013 Mm -hmm. and audiobooks were not what they are today. And so I... I was like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. I love to read. And so she kind of introduced me to somebody who introduced me to somebody else. And I started recording audiobooks. It's a very simplified version of a much longer story. But uh, so that was really my my first foray into voice work. And now I, I record um, a lot, maybe 100 audiobooks a year. It's kind of silly. I do it very much full time. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's a lot, uh, but it's a great job. And then since then, other voice work has has popped up 
out of that as well. And so voice work is, is pretty much my full-time gig at this point. Uh, it is not pretty much it is. So it's great. And I, and I love it. And then the meditation and the, the work that I get to do with sleep wave is just such an incredible compliment to that, uh, because I've always loved for many, many years done yoga and meditation. And so to get to share that part of myself is like one of my favorite things that I do. Absolutely. So great. And I know you do a lot of very interesting jobs too. Please give me the background about all the other things you do and also how that brought you here. Oh man, I'm a weirdo. Um, I started an actress as well. I went to graduate school in acting at NYU, but then I dropped out after a year. I was like, I don't want to pretend to be other people anymore. <laughs> and um, I was really getting into stuff like macrobiotic, the macrobiotic diet, which is a long story, but it's a very healthy diet. And I was recovering from an eating disorder and I was just learning about myself for the first time in my life in a way that was powerful and committed and fruitful. And I suddenly realized like, I don't want to pretend to be other people. So I left grad school and I went and traveled and got way into macrobiotic cooking and became a teacher of sorts. And then I started, I became a traveling chef. And then I wrote a book and the book just came to me like, I, I don't even read books. I mean, I do. It's not like I can't read, but <laughs> I'm not a huge reader. And, um, and suddenly my intuition one day was like, write a book. And I just thought, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Let's just file that away as delusion. And it just kept coming back and coming back and coming back and saying, write a book, write a book, write a book. And it was really alarming. And I, I was eating such healthy food and meditating regularly that, you know, getting a signal like that, that kept repeating itself was, <sighs> it was very real. And um, so finally, after, after a year, I sat down on my computer and was like, okay, if I'm supposed to write a book, I'm supposed to write a book. And it was called The Hip Chick's Guide to Macrobiotics. And it came out in 2004. And that led to like, writing that's, that's you yeah that's me i've seen this book oh my god oh my god oh my god that's so funny Shut up. that's so funny oh my god that okay <laughs> starstruck okay this is awesome that Look is so funny jessica porter people oh my goodness so yeah it was uh, you know that book has done really well because a i was basically bastardizing someone else's ideas and the ideas themselves are very powerful and i was just giving it this modern spin and it's a Taoism and it's deep and it's practical and it's, I made it funny. Mm -hmm. So that led to other things. Like I became, I wrote a book with Alicia Silverstone called The Kind Diet. Um, I've written books with several celebrities. And um, so that's been my sort of background career. And, uh, but I grew up as a teenager, I did radio. I did, I grew up in Canada and I did national radio. I like slipped into this little gig on this national show on the CBC when I was 14. And so I've been behind a microphone like more in my life than most people. And then I did a radio show in Portland, Maine. So just, wow. I don't know, groovy stuff and my voice have done this. And in 1999, I became a hypnotherapist and did a lot of, um, 
hypnosis for childbirth, hypnosis for actors. I created a whole thing called hypnosis for actors. Mm-hmm. And then had a private practice in the, in the practice, practice in the background, uh, you know, steadily for a number of years. And it wasn't until our friend, Ronnie Butler, um, recommended me to the people at Sleepiest, which is our producers. Yes. And I started recording on Sleepiest. And then it became like, wow, I can help people fall asleep, which I hadn't. I mean, I'd worked with some people with insomnia, but never as a specialty. And I do stand-up comedy. That's the other thing. That's like the when I say I'm a weirdo, it's the cherry on the Sunday is that I do stand-up. Yes. It's absurd and insane. It's so great. I obviously follow you on Instagram. And so I've seen, you know, little things you post. And I I also I love that. I love that you do this great, like hippie stuff and the stand-up comedy is is great. So tell me how how you decided one day, because I feel like stand-up comedy would be like the most terrifying thing one could ever ask me to do. So how did you say like, yes, I want to do this? Well, you know, I find the most, I've done a lot of different performing as I'm sure you have too. You know, you're an actress, you've been on stage, Mm. you've said other people's words. I'm sure you've given speeches and, you know, riffed in many ways. I find improv the scariest thing on earth. Like to go on, I mean, at least with stand-up, you know what you're going to say. I mean, you don't know every single minute. Like you can get on stage and someone's wearing a weird sweater and you're like, oh my God, you win the sweater award. And, you know, go from there. But you do have a script if things meaning your jokes. But improv for me, where you're like have to develop a, a narrative in the moment, I found that practically impossible. But stand-up, I I took a stand-up class in Portland, Maine, like in 2001, which I really loved. But then I remember saying to myself, like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in smoky bars with 27-year-old guys talking about their private parts. That's fair. And now, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, why not spend the rest of my life in smoky bars with 27-year-old guys talking about their private parts? It just... (laughs) It was something that I tried earlier and it didn't fit my life. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, this could be super fun. And it is. And the world has gotten weird in that time, too, in a way where, you know, in society, we're kind of clamping down on each other's minds a bit and language. I mean, there's pressure coming in. And the one place that you can really push back against that pressure and just be like, don't pressure me, man. I'm a comic. I can say whatever I want. That's, I mean, I don't mean like you say stupid things, but you get to push back and make fun of it and, you know, sort of poke at the shadow is uh, stand up. So I've sort of re fallen into it at a time when it feels very necessary and uh, therapeutic mm-hmm. and freeing. Wow. And yeah, I love doing it. I mean, I'm kind of naughty such on freedom stage. In that. Say that again. I said such freedom in that initially, you know, to be able to have that, like, look, I'm just saying the truth right now uh, in stand up. I love that about stand up. And I also love that you're naughty on stage because why wouldn't you be? That sounds fun. Well, I feel like my sleep wave persona and my my stand-up persona potentially will clash. Like, I think mm-hmm. one of my fears is that sleep wave listeners will be like, oh, God, I, I can't deal with her stand-up. But I feel like, hopefully, 
I would just say to the stand, the sleepway fans, like, just listen to me on sleep. You know, just go to sleep with me. You don't need to watch me on a stage. But I think there will be significant overlap just because I'm not mean on stage. I'm just naughty. Yeah. Well, I, I sometimes feel like that too, Jessica, because the majority of audiobooks that I record are thrillers and like like murder mysteries and like stuff that are like supposed to get your heart wow. racing. And then this other part of, of my job is like, take it on down, you know? Uh, so it, that's also a funny thing for me because, you know, I spend a large portion of my life in this room. So I'll be here all day. I'll be recording, let's say a thriller very often. And, and then I need to pop over and record a meditation for the podcast. And so I, I have to do a very like clear moment of like, okay, we're, we're going to this level. And I, I realize that I can't actually often record the podcast before the book, because then I'll start a thriller like, <laughs> and so she was walking through the woods. <laughs> and he stabbed her. It's the wrong tone. Yeah. Wrong tone. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, 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 it's different. It's different. I hear what you're saying, but I sometimes have that thought too. I'm like, oh, if people, you know, realize I do both or listen to both, they might be like, oh, right. like, this is weird. Right. This is right. not soothing at all. <laughs> Who is this person? Yeah. Wow. Oh. I love that. Who even is this person? Yes. So how do you get your ideas for your episode? Because we have to, you know, we do a lot of them every week. So wh where, where does your inspiration come from? I'm amazed we've done as many as we have, you know? I mean, I think my biggest fear beginning was that I would run out of ideas. And then I realized one day, I was like, the universe is completely abundant. Like there's constant energy moving in every direction. So just open to it. Mm. And there's, I hope, like a jillion ways to invite people to relax. Oh, yeah. And that's all it is. Hmm. I'm just inviting people to relax. So you could focus on a bunny rabbit, you know, think about your favorite place, um, meditate on a plant, imagine a sculpture. I mean, there's now I'm hoping even those things won't run out. Um, I trust as well that we will repeat themes at certain points because that's okay. You know, like it's not, this is not about doing this. It's is helping individuals almost in the moment, meaning we're not doing it live, but it's close to live. Relax. That's the point. Um, but in terms of inspiration, I just try and stay awake. Mm. <laughs> Funnily enough, pardon the pun, just stay awake to the things that soften me or delight me or make me feel connected to myself. And uh, doing Sleep Wave has actually been great because it's almost like this room in my mind has been opened up that's constantly looking for, you know, episode ideas. And it hasn't failed me yet. Um, what about you? What about how do you stay inspired? It's very similar. I, I uh, just like you said, you stay awake to to, you know, what makes you feel better? What kind of comes in? I do the same thing. So my, my life right now is in a 
probably one of the most stressful places it's been just because I'm a mom and I work full time and I, I've got, uh, you know, my hands are really full. I'm grateful for all how full they are. But I am so, I spent 10, 15 years of my life really just like, meditating half the day and doing yoga the other half. And like, so I spent a lot of time practicing these things before I really needed them. It felt like, you know, I needed them. I needed them for other reasons. I totally get it. But you know what I'm saying? Now I need them in a different way. Like mm-hmm. now I can't sit and meditate. Like, it's like hilarious. The thought of like meditating for two hours, like makes me go have a, a good laugh. But, um, but, you know, because these things, I had the opportunity to have them so deeply ingrained for such a long period of time. Now, when I'm rocking my son to sleep at night, I'm able to drop into meditation. So for those 10, 15 minutes, that's that's my time. Or um, super early in the morning or super late at night or, you know, like really like here in the booth when I'm recording a meditation and we have those stretches of silence, I am right there with the listeners, like dropping in. So all that's to say, because my life is really full and I, I, I am aware I'm listening to all the things that make me feel better. So when I'm anxious, when stuff's going off the rails, uh, whatever it may be, I feel like I've got to, I'm just listening in a different way to like, okay, what do I need that's going to reground me right now? And then I just have to hope and trust that that thing goes beyond me, is bigger than me, and that there's somebody out there that is going through something similar or is, and is going to need to hear that same thing that like I'm getting from somewhere. I'm getting a download on and my intuition is telling me. So that's that's kind of it. It's very based on like offense based on what's happening in my life that week. Um, and as far as repeating themes, there have definitely been, I co-write this with my husband, Billy, as you know. And, um, so there's often times that we're talking about an episode and we say like, Oh, have we done this before? We're like, probably. And we need to kind of like <laughs> spin it in a different way. But the reason these themes come up again is because they're big themes that like I need to keep rehearing. And again, I have to trust that the listeners do too. They're things that like we can hold on to for a minute. And then our brains are like, you know, you move on to the other stuff of life. And then sometimes you need to circle back and hear it again. Oh my God, what a beautiful answer. It's so true. I really relate to that. I really relate to that. And you've just given me permission, you know, to step into some of the repetition because it is, I mean, you know, I had to learn how to cook brown rice from like 50 different teachers. You know what I mean? And it was always, it was always instructive to watch someone else do it, to see it again. I mean, the most important things in life require repetition. It's not just like, "Mm, you repeated yourself, but I guess that's okay. It's no, we want to groove like these deep neural pathways and we're retraining ourselves to live from this deeper place. And I couldn't relate more to, I mean, I spent my twenties eating brown rice, meditating. Like I took vacations at ashrams 
you know, that was where I, that I had, where do you go for fun? What disco do you go to? Oh, Kripalu, you know? Um, so I really get that. And it was, it was weird. It was like being an old soul and doing some of the things that people naturally are attracted to as they get older and crave peace and slow down as a very young person. And, um, it was kind of odd. I mean, I was, I was not doing what normal people were doing and, but here it is sort of paying off. And I too, am so grateful for those tools that they're like deeply edged. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not so unfamiliar. Yeah. I've got some questions for some listeners. Cool. Well, let me look at our questions. Well, let's go to a little, a simple one. Um, what's the meaning of life? Oh, this old gem. Uh, <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Well, gosh, I'd like to say, wouldn't it be nice if it was to have fun? And then another part of my brain says, oh, we're here to learn. And then another part's like, oh, we're here to figure out what's important, which always circles back to, for me, the people that I love. It's like health and the people that I love are always the things that are the most important. Um, that's a very non-answer, but those are the things that are, that are coming right now. Fun. What did I say? Fun. Learning. What's important are things at least that bring meaning to my life. People you love. How about that? People I love. Yeah. What about you? Wow. What is the meaning of life? Tell me. I know it's such a big question. I mean, you know, for everybody. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know that connectedness and allowing the energy that we've been given as people that runs through our bodies, allowing it to fr be free and express itself and connect with its cousins energetically, meaning like we're part of a greater whole. Mm. And to open that and connect, I think is one of the things that nature wants to do through us. And, um, I'm always more and more the older I get and the sort of cleaner I get energetically, meaning the more I release myself of my crappy stuff, the more I marvel at the truth that we are spinning on a ball in space. Like, this is so random that a species made it to this place that you and I have the technology to do this, that we have language that you and I have as women have been liberated enough to have yeah. careers and resources and choices. I mean, it's just a mind blow that this is happening. Mm -hmm. So attributing meaning to it is difficult for me to do because I think the fact of it is just so absurdly, ridiculously miraculous. Um, I often, I'm, I'm, the older I get, the more optimistic I get in many ways, because I see human beings like, no matter the degree of our problems with one another, we've managed to go from Adam and Eve type numbers. I mean, not exactly too possibly, but you know what I mean? Like depending on your belief system, but like yeah. tiny amounts of humans to almost 8 billion. Now, that may be problematic ultimately when it comes to resources on the planet, but the point is we have relatively peacefully 
more peacefully than acrimoniously gotten here. Because if it had been more acrimonious and peaceful, we wouldn't have gotten here. So there's something very deeply connected and social and bonded and cooperative about human beings. And uh, yeah, we have our issues. And yeah, there is a psychopath every once in a while. And yes, when resources get scarce, we become protective. But in the aggregate, we come together. And that trips me out. But the more and more I think about human beings, I think like we're like this with all respect to bacteria, but almost like a bacteria on a planet. And we are doing our best to survive. And uh, love is the glue that keeps us healthy and together. So I would say without love, we're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's the, it's love, as you said, and it's connection between people. And I think it's realizing that we have more in common than we don't ultimately. I mean, the ego doesn't want to know that. The ego wants to be special. The ego wants to be different. But if you were to like actually enumerate all the levels on which like blood, spleen, liver, pancreas, eyeballs, nose, lips, you know what I mean? Like, look, we're practically the same person when you look at all the things that are the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think whenever I feel very different from someone else or, you know, I feel like we're clashing in some ways, that is something that I go back to is like, you know what? This person and I actually probably have more in common than we don't, ultimately, in a deeper way. And that helps me like be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just helps me like step, change my perspective. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe realizing that. Maybe we just uncovered the meaning of life today. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> boo, boo. Sleep wave. Woo-woo. We did it. We're done. Awesome. So do you ever burp in the booth? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as I said, I'm in here all day long by myself and I, um, I have many a beverage in here because when you talk all day, you need it. And so, yes, yes, I do. I got to say, I'm very grateful that most of the time I'm recording by myself so I can just stop my recording and do what needs to be done and party on. Um, but you know, when I'm working with other people, I, I tend to keep it under wraps. What about you? Cause you, you record, um, not at home, you record in studios. So you're, as I did in LA, I also just went to studios. I didn't have a home booth before I moved. So I, um, I was also working with other people all the time and I had to like keep, keep that in. So how are you liking recording in studio? It's great. I really like the people that I rent a booth from and the engineer that I generally work with, but I didn't realize how gurgly my stomach was. I didn't realize how much gas I had until I had to record all the time. Cause then you're just like, excuse me, one moment and go. And, uh, it's really weird. It's like, we have a lot going on that makes noise. But in regular life, like the average person standing across from you is not not going to hear most of it. But when there's a mic right here, it picks up everything. But I have a trick. Tell me. The trick is when you're drinking water to like really make sure you get no air. Like you drink like, create like a whole vacuum so you're not drinking any bubbles because those bubbles, that's the problem. In fact, I hate to say it, but like, yeah, farting is also about the bubbles coming in through the top. 
Like when we eat, we we ingest a ton of air. Got to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So note to the listeners. Got to go somewhere. Well, it's a very, very common uh, audio book, at least narrator trick. In every studio I was ever in, they provide you a pillow to put on your stomach because no matter what's going on, if it's hunger rumbles or anything else, it, the pillow. So bring it, bring a quiet pillow. A quiet pillow is key um, because some are like crunchy uh, and that and just put it on your stomach and it just kind of mutes everything because it is crazy being in the booth because you are under, you know, the microscope is almost the microphone yeah. is almost like a microscope in, in, in the sense that like any little noise that you never even realized your, your, your throat makes or I don't know. It's crazy. Our bodies are loud. That's what I've learned from this job. I just did it right now. I just burped right now. That is a fantastic tip. There you go. Hot tip for you. Seriously. Yeah. You just saved me like stress, time, and money even because I rent a booth. It's like, oh, just saved 10 bucks in stomach gurgle time. Yes, you did. Yes, I know. It's I I will not record in studio without a pillow. I'm like, I do, do we need to go out and find a couch throw pillow? Let's do yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Because it saves so much time. Yeah. Totally. Uh, weird tidbit for the listeners, but you know. Totally. Yeah. I I want I do want to know. So I know you've lived this very awesome hippie life, but what what brought you specifically to hypnosis? And and what do you? Yeah. Start start there. I've got. I feel like I have more questions on that. But. Um. Well, I didn't grow up in a groovy hippie life. I grew up in, you know, downtown Toronto, um, sort of pro, you know, Protestant work ethic, nice people. Canadians are nice. I mean, the nice is real in Canada. Mm. Um, but I grew up, you know, eating TV dinners and the local Baskin Robbins asked me if I wanted to work there when I was 11. Cause I came so often. I was there like every day and I was like, I'm only 11. And they said, Oh, okay. <laughs> a little, little too early. Um, do it, yeah. So there wasn't much that was truly hippie about that, except that I was born in the sixties and this was the early seventies. So, um, but I started smoking when I was 14 and my mother had been a big smoker. Mm. Uh, she smoked like for 35 years and at 14, I started smoking and boom, I had an addictive personality and I was in. And I, by the time I was about 16, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. And I spent six years smoking and I loved it. You know, I was glamorous. I knew how to like blow the smoke above your head. And it was a time when you could smoke in movie theaters and on the subway in London and on the backs of airplanes. I mean, smoking, we've come a long way. So I, when I was 19, I was in college and my mother went to a group hypnosis session with my uncle and they quit like that. And I was stunned because I had seen my mother struggle, struggle with quitting. And I had struggled with quitting. I mean, I tried. And uh, so after witnessing her release from it, I said, you know, can I use hypnosis. And she set up an appointment for me with a hypnotherapist in Toronto in August of 1987. I quit smoking. And I remember that day, like it was yesterday and it was a game changer. 
So my hypnotherapist gave me this tape and I listened to the tape for about nine months and it really changed like who I was. It was this profound set of suggestions about self-esteem and feeling calm and peaceful. And it just, it altered me in many positive ways. And then after nine months, I lost the tape. I just literally lost it. And I got into macrobiotics. And then when I was on a cooking job in Florida, uh, my partner and I, who were cooking for Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, actually, we were driving back and forth to where he lived every day, twice a day, and we would pass these hypnosis, like there were several, I don't know, at least two or three, on the half-hour drive, these hypnosis-like clinics or offices. And I thought, oh, hypnosis, you know, I did hypnosis to quit smoking, and it almost, almost like it was a dream. And I suddenly thought it would be really interesting to train in hypnosis to help our clients, because most of our clients, not in this case, the Roger Waters family, but most clients were people with serious illness and you're helping them and they have to change their entire eating life on a dime. And that's very difficult because, you know, your eating habits are about as basic and instinctual and habitual as it gets. So you know, we would have clients and they'd have trouble. They'd, you know, want it, have the money to do it, have the resources, and then still wake up in the middle of the night and eating ice cream. Mm. So I thought, I wonder if hypnosis would help our clients. And I went and trained to become a hypnotherapist. And um, it wasn't actually where I aimed most of my attention as a hypnotherapist. For the first few years, I helped people quit smoking. And then, like I said, I got into hypnosis for childbirth. There was actually something called in hypnobirthing, and I was the voice of hypnobirthing for a few years. So did it? Oh, did you? You did hypnobirthing? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, I used to be the voice of hypnobirthing. That's so funny. Gosh. That's so funny. And I taught hypnobirthing all over the world. I brought hypnobirthing to South Africa. Amazing. Um, which has a seventy percent C-section rate. Yeah. So that was a big chapter in my life. I've been to 55 births, um, including my three nieces, and uh, I missed my nephew. I was on, out of the country. But anyway, so yeah, hypnosis started with my own problem and then sort of had its own thing. And it's a great tool. Hypnosis is this fabulously effective, almost surgical in its precision tool for releasing blocks. Mm. You know, when we talk about trauma these days and trauma gets, you know, the T word gets thrown around a lot. And, you know, I just want to say like trauma is not having feelings. Like we need to grow and be hurt sometimes <laughs> to grow. But trauma is an experience that gets locked in the body and starts to play on repeat, you know? Mm. And, uh, but hypnotherapy is really good with trauma because the body doesn't want to hold it. The subconscious mind doesn't want to hold it. There's no part of the human being that wants to hang on to something hurting it. So given the opportunity when you go deep into the subconscious and allow it to release that holding pattern, which is really all it is, albeit sometimes a very scary one, when it is given the opportunity to release it, it will, and it's gone for good. So it's... um 
as we sort of double down in our society on like, oh, I've got trauma, I've got trauma. And you feel this sort of like, mm, sorry, this is how it is. Now you have to change your behavior to suit me because I have trauma. And it's like, oh, that's so backwards. Like you're this beautiful flower that wants to bloom, like do everything you can to release the trauma because it's releasable. So yeah, I just, I love it as a tool. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful tool. That was an incredible explanation. Wow. Thank you. You're just blowing my mind. I tell you what. I mean, what were the factors in your life that got you on the groovy path? Why were you meditating for half a day? And was it Vipassana? Like what kind of meditation did you do? Uh, well, first question. Uh, you know, I, I also did not did not start on the groovy path. My family was very conservative and traditional. And that is how I grew up. I was very, you know type A kid and all, all of those things. And, um, my, I have three older sisters. So my oldest sister, she started on. The I have three path. sisters too. You do? What? What? I'm number two though. Okay. And you're number four. I'm number four. Yeah. So, um, my oldest sister, she's 14 years older than I am. So I would go visit her for summers when I was in high school, college. And, um, she would, she was living in California at the time. I was in Texas where I primarily grew up. And so she would take me to like tarot card readers and, you know, stuff that I had certainly not been exposed to before. But beyond all that, she introduced me to meditation. And at the time she was really interested in Native American spirituality at that time in her life. And so she had various recordings of meditations and so I remember we would lay on the floor in her apartment and, you know, I was 14 or whatever. And we'd do these, these meditations and I was, you know, loved this sense of like just changing my state of mind, I think, uh, was really interesting to me because or maybe I was even a little younger. I was in that age. I still have such a soft spot in my heart for kids that are in that like puberty, tween, early tween stage, because that was a rough time in my life. And I think it is in a lot of people's lives. And I really needed whatever. I was like, whatever can make me feel better and ground me, like give it. And this tool that she introduced me to meditation, I was like, oh, this is, this is interesting. I like this. Um, so over the years that I would visit her, you know, she would continue to introduce me to, to stuff that kind of just changed my perspective a little bit from what I already had going, um, in my life. So yeah, I really just followed her lead. And then right after college, Billy and I went to college together at SMU here in Dallas and we moved to Chicago for a few years, which was a super magical time of life. And we started practicing yoga just at our little local gym. And I think we did that just because, you know, we both went to school to be actors and we were like interested in like keeping our instruments supple and <laughs> whatever. So we're like, yoga, we'll try it. This sounds fun. And we met a teacher there who was phenomenal, who we're still very good friends with. And he took us, he was like, the gym is fine. Come to this actual studio. And that place is called Yoga View in Chicago. It's still there. If anybody goes to Chicago, lives in Chicago, you want to go take a yoga class, yoga view. Um, 
that place was amazing. The teachers were incredible. And that was where I really learned to meditate um, and to practice yoga. And I fell in love with it. It absolutely changed my life. All kinds of, I learned all kinds of like breathing techniques that I use all the time still. I didn't do, I didn't learn, I should say, a formal like Vipassana, it could be really formal type of meditation. It was the type I learned in that studio was just like, okay, what we're going to do right now is we're going to sit down together for 10, 15, 30 minutes, whatever it was. And we're going to breathe and we're going to listen to our thoughts and there's going to be a lot of them and they're going to come in and out. And you just, you just sit here and keep trying to come back to the quiet. And sometimes a mantra would be offered or a breathing practice, but mostly it was just that watching the mind. And I remember the first time that I sat and did that, maybe the first few times, but I have a very clear memory of sitting there and like instantly wanting to jump up and run out of the room. Like my eyes were closed. Everybody else's eyes were closed, but I was like, oh, like the anxiety and the like intent, even though I had meditated before, but not in this way and not with other people, the feelings that it brought up in me were, were a lot. And it was something to kind of confront. I was maybe 22 at the time. And I was like, this is really interesting that I'm having so much trouble just sitting with myself and my thoughts. So maybe this is something I want to do more of. So this is less uncomfortable. It took me a while to get there. Probably initially I was like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to leave. Uh, but I didn't leave and I stuck it out because I think probably the only reason I didn't leave was like the social pressure of like, it's going to be weird if I leave. And sometimes we need that pressure to do something that's uncomfortable. I certainly did. So I stuck with it. And with that, and the yoga. And it was just like a very cool time of my life of just opening my mind to other ways to, to live life and to tap into this, this being, you know, who, who lives in this body? Like who, you know, what, who am I actually? All of those questions. What is the meaning of life? All of these things that just to sit with, um, has been very powerful. And then Billy actually became a yoga teacher because he was so inspired by this particular studio. And, and that's kind of how we ended up writing these meditations. I was writing meditations for the sleepiest app for a little while, which I really loved. But when I was pregnant, I realized I'm not going to have the time that I want to have, that I want to give to this to actually do it. And so I talked to Billy about maybe stepping in and doing that um, because he had taught yoga for many years and meditation. And he just has such incredible ways of phrasing things. And he's done so much deep work and been to India and done all of the retreats. And he's just like, he has such an incredible depth and wealth of knowledge around meditation um, that I thought you're going to be a really great asset for this. So it's a cool thing to partner on for sure. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for bringing up Billy because we haven't mentioned him really yet as a, a total contributor to Sleepwave. Like he, I, I don't, I can't listen to myself. Like the one time I've listened to myself doing Sleepwave, I actually needed to go to sleep, and I was like, "Oh God, this is awful! Oh God, this is awful!" And then I was asleep. But that was listening to me. But I have listened to a couple of yours, and I'm really. First of all, I love 
your voice. It's like butter. You know what I mean? It's like eating butter, just a stick of butter. Thank you. And someone said it in one of the reviews, and I really love this. Like, both of us, I think, have this quality where the work that we've done on ourselves to liberate this being, like you just said, like, who is this being? Because the ego has its story, and then there's the actual Mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. That sleep wave has given us the portal to just transmit it, you know, and it's not just words, it's a vibe. Yes. So I've listened to your sleep waves and I feel your vibe and I'm like, oh, I'm being held by Carissa. I'm being, you know what I mean? And that in and of itself is a great gift. Mm -hmm. But then the words, the meditations, a couple of them I've listened to, and again, it's not anything except A, I'm a good sleeper, and B, it weirds me out to like step into the thing I'm creating um, or we're creating. Same. Um, But fantastic. The meditations are fantastic, like going all these amazing places. And some of them, even just the titles of Billy's writing have inspired me around, you know, places I can go for writing the hypnosis. So... He's very talented, and you guys are like a really a great team. And I love watching you on Instagram, and you know your kid. And Aww. anyway, so I love that you mentioned him because he's 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 missing here. You know what I mean? There's really three of us um, doing the work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying all of that. I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's been a an incredible, just you know, teammate in this. And it's so funny because yeah our whole relationship we've just been like fiercely independent like we've really never worked on anything together ever wow until we had it i mean we've been partners for almost 20 years we've been together it's crazy wow but we have just always been like on our own track do what you do your thing i do my thing we like intersect when we do we've taken separate vacations like Hmm. our lives have just been like this and together at the same time but Working on a project like this, which we started doing just as we had a newborn, and that's like a real project together. It, it was just a really interesting moment in our relationship to be like, oh, now we're we're partnering in it in like these different ways. Um, and it was just cool to have so much, so much life of our own that now like in growing up together so much that now we can really merge it together, I feel like, in work like this in a in a way that feels really really good. Um, yeah. And rewarding, as we said at the very beginning, the most rewarding thing about this whole project is just feeling like, you know, you, you step in here, you and I and, and Billy as he's writing and like, it's a moment to just consciously offer something to the world that, you know, you hope helps somebody. Um, and, and that feels like, okay, I can go to bed at night feeling like, you know, I, I, I offered something and hopefully it was good. (laughs) And like, that's a pretty good thing to hope for in in a day, I think. Well said. You know, one thing I just want to mention, and then I think we have to start talking about the future. Um, yeah. Winding down is, uh, I remember hearing on NPR that there was this study where they asked people to put away their phones and just sit in stillness 
for 10 minutes. Maybe have been 15 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it was 10. It was like a minimal amount of time. And there was a button in front of them. And they asked every participant to press the button beforehand, and the button would deliver a shock. They were wired to feel a shock. And every single person reported that the button, when they tested it, was an unpleasant sensation. So it was understood that, you know, you don't really want to be doing that for fun. It wasn't fun. Right. But it was the one thing they were allowed to do in the 10 minutes. 30% of the women pressed the buzzer. It didn't stop the experiment. It just produced stimulation. It was just something to do. And 70% of the men pressed the button. What? And that's how uncomfortable we are. That's how unfamiliar most people are with sitting with their own thoughts and how uncomfortable just sitting in their own thoughts makes them. So you said, you know, on the pillow, I remember taking a meditation retreat where I broke into like internally, I did every song I remembered from Evita. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. I just had to do something. (laughs) So I loved your story. I love your story. Oh, I was going to say quickly about that. Like, I feel like a common misconception with meditation is like, you're supposed to get to this point of no thought. And I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think we're wired that way. Our brains want to think they want to solve problems. So I think it's more about just watching the thoughts, watching the breath, watching the sounds in the room and being able to bring awareness to your thoughts and awareness to yourself ultimately, because when you start becoming aware of your thoughts, aware of your environment, aware of your breath, you can do that in other contexts besides sitting quietly on a, on a pillow. Um, when you're in the middle of an argument or a stressful situation or in traffic, you know, whatever. So, um, anyway, for anyone thinking like, I have to get to this, this no thought place, you don't. That's all I want to say about that. (laughs) I remember a meditation teacher saying the great meditators of the world experience like silence mentally for six seconds. Oh yeah, I believe that. Like that was a long period of thoughtlessness. And that was so liberating. I was like, six seconds, that's nothing. And that was a great meditator. You know, that's a that's a very experienced meditator. And you know, who knows? We don't have like the you know, Geiger counter of thoughtlessness, but you know, the principle of it was important for me to hear, which is don't aim at thoughtlessness. And by the way, you can't aim at it anyway. It's something that just occurs when your brainwave gets slowed down, but your brainwave will never flatline in meditation. Like you said, nor really would you want it to. You wouldn't want it to. No. Um, I want to know, Jessica, what is next for sleep wave? And you, what's next? Well, this is interesting, Miss Carissa, youngest of four. (laughs) Um, We are going to actually go our separate ways in podcast land um, because we serve, you know, we do different things. And what we've discovered, I mean, I was saying the other day to somebody, this has basically been a weird experiment. The producers of the Sleepiest app who helped us create this, none of us knew if this podcast would work. And it really, really worked. But one of the things that we've discovered is that 
There's some people who are hardcore meditation fans and people who are hardcore hypnosis fans Mm -hmm. and lots of people who love both. But what we've decided to do is separate the shows. And I'm going to do my own podcast called Sleep Magic, which is going to start on November 9th. And you and I will both produce four episodes a month of You'll Be With Sleep Wave, I'll Be With Sleep Magic, and two bonus episodes per month for subscribers. And uh, yeah, so as much as you know, you and I have created this beautiful thing together, we're now going to create two beautiful things mm-hmm. side by side. And I just want to encourage listeners to subscribe to both because you just get that much more. In fact, there'll be more content. Absolutely. Because there are two shows. Exactly. Yes. So that's that's what's coming up. I know. It's it's um it was when we initially started talking about this, we're like, oh, we don't wanna we don't wanna break up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. though, you know, as you said, you know, we hadn't met in person, but it was our thing. And but now as we've begun this process, I think it's gonna be such a beautiful thing for the listeners to be able to have your hypnosis over at Sleep Magic for four to six episodes a week, and same with meditation on Sleep Wave for four to six episodes on a week, a month, and um, a month, a month. Uh, be clear about that. Uh, so I just think it's going to end up being really great for everybody, uh, and I'm I'm so excited about how it's going to. I feel like grow what you can do and, you know, grow what I can do with, with each of our shows. Um, so it should be a fun adventure. Ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's going to give both of us an opportunity to develop in ways that maybe we wouldn't, if we were, you know, felt that we were continually serving this entity between us, which has been great. Like, I really think Sleepwave, both of us doing Sleepwave, like, gave us both an opportunity to step in because we had one another. Yes. I know for me, with, like, a confidence and a mission, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. But now as we do our more individual things, you know, it'll be great to see, like, I mean, because clearly you have a wealth of experience and knowledge and so does Billy, like things to pull from. And now you can do that with more Likewise. individual confidence, you know, and be like, hey, this is my show. This is what we talk about here. And I'll be doing the same thing, like just right next to you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched. So November 9th will be the first Sleep Magic episode. Please subscribe, like press subscribe on your podcast thing. And then you can support both shows and get all the bonus material and, uh, and just never wake up again. (laughs) Excellent sleep forever. (laughs) Just be, be asleep for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Jessica. Uh, Thank you so much for this conversation and thank you listeners for joining us. I, I knew you were awesome and I've always thought you were awesome, but I think you're even more incredible now. So this has just been so much fun. So thank you for sitting with me this morning and having this conversation. Well, right back at you, my friend. It has been a delight and I'm really looking forward to connecting forever. Same. <laughs> We're on it. And yeah. Thank you so much, listeners. Whenever you're listening to this, be it morning, noon, or night, we hope you have a wonderful time and sweet dreams tonight. Yes, sweet, sweet dreams.